0: Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God given purpose. Enjoy. Um, So grab your sermon notes. I wanted to talk to you tonight about just continuing just a little bit about the testing of faith and hit some specific things. And I I was praying this afternoon about it and, and thought I was going to go a different direction, but I ended up landing in this direction. So we're going to talk about that. So if you don't have sermon notes, make sure you grab those and we're going to pray and get into this and see kind of what happens. The last few Sunday mornings, we've been talking about faith and and as a whole, I could keep talking about faith forever. That's why we pastor, That's why I pastor Faith Center. But I want to share some things about when our faith is tested. Has anybody ever had your faith tested? Is anybody currently having your faith tested? Okay. All right, so let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you, and we know you're the author and finisher of our faith. And we thank you, Lord, that in the in-between time, you help us pass the test. And so we come tonight ready to learn, ready, ready to grow, and ready to walk in victory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so a couple of things I just want you to know. Um, there's a, a few phrases, two phrases that you could say it a couple different ways, but I summarized, summarized them with the two phrases that Jesus used many times. So see if you can finish it. O you of little faith. So sometimes he said, where is your faith? Like, you don't even have it. You left it at the house. And sometimes he's like, why, are you, why do you have no faith? There's different ways he phrases that, but he, Jesus, now think about this, think about it from this perspective. Jesus is the author, Hebrews chapter 12 says, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Remember, uh, I don't know what Sunday it was, I talked about how Jesus was praying for Peter that his faith wouldn't fail. A faith failure is terrible. So he was praying that faith, his faith wouldn't fail. So Jesus, who is the author of faith and the finisher of faith, and the one who's praying for our faith not to fail, is the one that, interacting with the disciples, looked at them and said, Oh, you have little faith. Because he knows the faith he gave them, and he knows the faith that he can complete in them, and he also knows every failure of their faith and so he in real time is standing in front of them in real circumstances saying oh you of little faith and it and and faith is not intellectual faith is not just an an, an idea faith a faith that works is is action it's it's a faith that works you don't it, you know You show your faith by your works, you know, but you don't show, you know, you don't try to work for faith. Uh, You you Faith works, you know, through your, your life. And so the first phrase is, oh, you of little faith, and there's a handful of scriptures. I just ran out of patience writing all the different scriptures. So you can look through those and see some of those that would speak, you know, to that. And it's interesting, the circumstances. Let me just say this. So one time Jesus is dealing with money, and he says, oh, you have little faith. Another time he's dealing with protection, oh, you have little faith. Another time it's healing, oh, you have little faith. So there's different categories or circumstances. Some people have faith for one area, but not faith in another. And Jesus loves us enough to confront us, oh, you have little faith. Okay. The second phrase is let it be done to you according to your faith. Jesus said that many times to different people, it, or this and the, the paraphrasing of it. He, he said, uh, "Let it be done to you according to your faith," or "or as you have believed." There's different phrases, as you see. He told a woman you know, who was actually a Gentile; she was non-Jewish, so she would she she wasn't supposed to have any faith. And Jesus said, "Great is your faith. Not only great is your faith, but I haven't found that great a faith in all of my my people." So. There's that great faith level and that that let it be done to you according to your faith. And as a matter of fact, here's what you need to know. Everything in the kingdom of God is done to you according to your faith. That's why it's important to know what faith is and how faith works and what faith is not. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not hope. Faith is not hoping God will come through and do something. That's not That's hope. That's not faith. Faith is not, faith is this, here's a really, I'll give you a number of different definitions of faith, but since I pastor Faith Center, I have a legal right to make up my own definitions of faith as I go. So this is what faith is. Faith is your response. Faith is your response um, to the promises and character of God. When God speaks a word, he speaks out of his person. He speaks out of his character. So you trust God because he's trustworthy. And so faith is your really logical response to the promises or character of God. God, I trust you. When I don't understand you, I trust you. Faith is not wishful thinking. Like I said, it's not you just... Having it done your way. It's not it's not Burger King, have it done your way. It's Christ the king done his way, okay? and and so you see some scriptures there, and I again got just done with it. I just so just let it know it's a, according to your faith. And then look over in Matthew chapter nine is the first scripture I want us to look at tonight. Um, Matthew chapter nine. And this whole story is really cool, but I want to just, pull out a point. Um, Matthew chapter 9 and just looking at verse 1 and 2. So he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. So a, a person who's not able to walk lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. Okay, now in other versions, you see a, a, a time where the, the, the roof was open and the man was laid down, you know, brought down, and Jesus said, sons, you're forgiven. But here's the point I want you to get. Jesus saw their faith. Did you realize faith is something you can see? Faith is something you, when somebody is operating in faith, you can see it. That means your, your unsaved co-workers can see your faith. They may not know what it is. They might not know what, how to define it. They may call it They may call it other things, um, but your family can see your faith. Other people can see your faith. And here's the cool thing about it. Jesus can see your faith. How do I know that? Because he saw when they didn't have faith. You have little faith. And then he saw where the woman had great faith. Great is your faith. And Jesus saw their, their faith. And notice it was their faith. You know faith can be contagious. It's not just your faith. It was their faith. And so you want to walk with people who are walking by faith. If you walk with people who are walking by fear, what are you probably going to walk in? If you are walking with people who are walking in the flesh, what are you going to walk in? If you walk with people who are walking in faith, what are you probably going to learn to walk in? All right. I think there's a lesson in that. So notice Jesus saw their faith. And that's what he's looking for. Don't I don't have this written on here because there's just... I, I, you know, uh, been a real busy day doing all kinds of stuff. And, um, but in Luke 18, it says, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he find faith? So the author and finisher of faith and the one who's praying for our faith is looking for faith and everything in our life is connected or or let it be done according to your faith. And that's how you have to know how faith operates. And I don't have time to talk about all that, but you got to know what faith is and how faith operates. You got to learn how to do that. And a great place to do that is the, uh, theoretically at faith center. Um, so Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, turn over to that. We're going to flip it a couple Bible pages, Bible verses. Hebrews 11 is, is a chapter all about faith. Matter of fact, if you've never just sat down and read through Hebrews 11, it's a, it's a very powerful read. Um, so since we're, we're looking at Hebrews 11, go up a little bit to Hebrews 10. And let's look at verse 36. I just feel like we're supposed to read this. Um, Actually, we'll start in verse 35. So Hebrews 10, 35, and then we're going to go all the way down into Hebrews 11. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. I was not planning on reading that, so that's that's free for y'all. But yet a little, now he's quoting the Old Testament. And a little while, he who is coming will come and he will not tarry. He will not wait. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, meaning not living by faith, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition. We're not of those who who draw back um, to to the old destructive ways of our life is what that's talking about. We don't go back to our Egypt. We don't go back to the way we used to do things. We're not drawing back. Um, But we are those who believe to the saving of the soul. So the saving of the soul is not you being saved like being born again, going to heaven. The saving of the soul is you walking in spiritual maturity, renewing your mind. You'll see the saving of the soul and personally, when I see that through Scripture, um, I, I believe you're, you're, it's talking to the sanctification process, not the moment of salvation. Uh, that's why the Bible, you see the phrasing of like the prosperity of your soul. Um, so with that in mind, you look at Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it, it being faith... For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were made out of things which are, um, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So it's the invisible brought about the visible. Verse four: By faith Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, uh, um, through which he obtained the witness. Uh, that he was righteous, God testifying his gifts, um, and through, through it, he being dead, or, or though it still being dead, he speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, but was found because God had taken him. Uh, for be- before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So here's the point, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible... Not improbable, impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not seek his promises. Not seek, God's not a slot machine, he's not your genie. Here's what I want from God. Here's what I want from God. Here's what I want from God. It's not seeking things. It's seeking Him. And as you seek Him and you're in relationship with Him, what He has is yours. And you walk in this faith relationship. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can please other people without faith. You can please some pastors without faith. You can please some churches without faith, but you can't please God without faith. can't do it. So with that in mind, I want to tie back to what I said on Sunday. With the scripture in James, and I have it on your notes, you don't even have to turn in your Bible there, trying to make it easy for you. James 1, 2 through 4, amplified verse, and says, Consider it nothing but pure, nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Remember we talked about the difference, and this may have been two weeks ago, I think, but trials and the testing of your faith. So various trials is is just trials. But be assured that the testing of your faith, which is a whole other Greek word, through experience, produces endurance. Remember it said you need endurance? Leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect, complete, developed in your faith. And does anybody know the remaining phrase? Lacking no thing. Lacking nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. All sin comes out of a sense of lack. All fear comes out of a sense of lack. All worry comes out of a sense of lack. I'm telling you, all fear, all sin, all worry, all anxiety comes out of a sense of lack. You don't believe God's enough. You don't believe Christ in you is enough. It becomes a sense of lack. And so you got to deal with the perceived lack in your life. So like when you sin or when you worry or when you're anxious, a good question to ask, if you really want to change the way you think, a good question to ask is, why does this make me worry? Why does this offend me? Why does this scare me? Why does this tempt me? Remember the word wait? W A I T, wait. You know, I, for some people, I use that to say, just have them stop and say, why am I talking? For another, you could say, why am I triggered? You can say, who am I trusting? Sometimes I just play with words and see how many things I can make up out of it. Who am I? So um, for real, you can, in a circumstance, hey, wait, stop, wait. Who am I trusting? Why am I triggered? Why am I tempted? Why am I troubled? Why does this trouble me? Why am I so troubled? You stop, you wait, and you ask yourself these questions. Because why, 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 does, why am I triggered by this? Why am I tempted by this? What's the thing that's happening that's making, because this is really not that big. I'm just making it big. Really, this is really not that bad. I'm just making it. So what inside of me, what lenses and what filters, what beliefs are making this thing bigger than it really is? And whatever that is, that's where your lack is. You lack the knowledge of God in that area. And that's what I will speak to you on Sunday. Just remind, we all get there. I've been there a billion times. (laughs) But sometimes we need a brother or sister not to come agree with our lack. Yeah, but to say, listen, remember who you are. Remember who he is. Remember he's at work. And don't be distracted. We can all be distracted very easily. In this world, the sin that so easily entangles us. And so we need to be reminded of like, wait a minute. I'm going to keep following his orders. I'm going to keep doing what he said. And so with that in mind, to to remove the lack and keep building and keep building who God is in me, the knowledge of God, trusting God, keep building that in my life. Because if that that keeps building, I will never be defeated. So on the back side, here's what I want to look. When our faith is tested, when our faith is tested, when you look at our faith being tested, um, here's what I, I want you to kind of look at. So when our faith is tested in times of, and the first one is difficulties. There's times of difficulties. We've all been through times of difficulties. And that's just trying to say it without cussing. <laughs> times of difficulties. You can say a whole lot of painful, what it, just times of difficulties. And in those times, whether it's a trial from the enemy or a testing that comes from God, um, difficulties are happening And in those times, our faith is being tested. So the enemy tries our faith through trials to sabotage it. God tests our faith to bring us to a promotion. And so through times of difficulty, what is your response? Remember, faith is your response to the promises Faith is your response to the promises and to the character of God. I've taught this a number of times. Faith is your willingness to see things from God's perspective. So when you're facing difficulties, does your focus go to your lack? Does your focus turn and default to the worst? Or do you you forget who God is? Do you forget who you are? Or do you remember who God is? Do you remember what God has said? Or do you start questioning everything? What is it that makes you fumble? What is it that causes you to lose your focus? And so in difficulties, they can and I've taught this. There's in this, we live in a fallen, sinful world. So in our fallen, sinful world, there's just there's just difficulties. You get a flat tire, it's not because God hates you. It's because there's we live in a fallen world and tires go flat. It's a natural world. Natural things happen. You don't have to over-spiritualize them. If God wants you to get something out of something, He'll show you something, but don't see something in everything. Don't see something in everything. I find it really interesting. People who never read their Bible sometimes oversee things in everything instead of just reading their Bibles and, and growing in relationship with God. So our world is natural and it will have natural difficulties. There's people. Does anybody know any sinful people? So, and, and and you at times have been in that, walking in, in your flesh and walking in, in being just silly or being selfish or being prideful, or whatever. There's that human nature, which is a sinful nature. Now, once we're born again, we no longer have that human nature. We have the lingering remnants of it in our flesh, but our spirit man outranks that person, outranks that reality. So, um, so... What you can realize is why do difficulties happen? We live in a fallen world. Why do difficulties happen? Because not everybody's righteous. And people, even righteous people do dumb stuff. And God gets blamed for what other people do. And then we have an enemy who's supernatural and makes attacks. And he does it through he does it but through people. He's 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 a coward and he hides through people and he does it through people's lives. And he always is in a costume. Rarely does he just come out and reveal himself. And he's a deceiver. That's what he is, a deceiver. And so why do difficulties happen? Because we live in a fallen world. Because there's fallen people. And because there's an enemy who's coming to attack. Um, But here's the thing you need to know, is when you... When you pass through a difficulty and you overcome and you stand the test, you pass the test, in every temptation, there's there's a every opposition is an opportunity. Every temptation can be <clears throat> can be a test. And when you pass the test, you please God. Because it's your faith at work. And when you pass the test, you make the enemy mad. Not only do you make the enemy mad, you remind him. See, when you pass the test of faith, you remind yourself of who you are You plea, in Christ. You, you please God. You remind yourself of who you are, and you remind the enemy who he is. He's defeated. So every temptation is an opportunity for you to please God, remind yourself who you are in him, and remind the enemy that he's already lost. And you remind him again and again and again and again. And somewhere along the way, he's going to stop picking on you so much. Somewhere along the way, if you keep passing the test. The second thing, in times of disappointments. Anybody here ever been disappointed? We have our certain things that even even connected to promises of God. God speaks something. He stirs hope in us. Faith is operating towards a hope, and we have this thing that we think God's doing in our life, and, and then we kind of we go ahead of God, and we fill in the blanks, and we think it's going to happen this way or this way or that way, and, and we, we fill in the blanks because God's at work, and we catch the momentum when we see this thing happening, so we jump ahead of God, we fill in the blanks, and then it doesn't happen the way we think it should happen. And then the difficulty can lead to disappointment, and then our disappointment can distract us, our disappointment can deceive us. And disappointments then then hurt us and blind us from being able to trust God. And now we start questioning everything. Disappointments can be really, really bad. And there's a lot of those disappointments that can, can really deceive your heart and you're disappointed, you're downtrodden, you're, you're sitting here just like, oh, and now you have a faulty perspective and you're looking at everything from a faulty perspective. And you need to remind yourself who God is, who you are in Him. And, and, and when your faith is tested, it's tested in times of difficulty, it's tested in times of disappointments. The third one, in times of delays, You've heard it said probably by people that delay is not denial. But you have delays. You want to go fast. You want to go fast. You want it now. God, you said it. Let's do it. Let's let go. Let's go. But God is not as much <coughs> excited about the destination as he is the journey. And so it's a process of you changing in the journey. So you celebrate the journey. Marriage is not a destination, it's a journey. Any any relationship of any value, it's about the journey. It's about the relationship being built through the experience. So we have these delays. And a matter of fact, with that in mind, let's skip all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. Let's go all the way back to Deuteronomy 8. And I want to show you something about the delays of God according to testing. Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you've never read Deuteronomy chapter 8, it's one of the best Bible chapters you can read. Jesus quotes from it when he is tempted in the wilderness. So we'll look at this real quick. We'll start in verse 1 because it's, it's, it's that good. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. This is God speaking to his people, bringing them out of Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land, which is your life story. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe, and that word means to obey, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger. He didn't cause you to hunger. He allowed you to hunger. What he did is fed you with manna, which you you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know. Oh my gosh, I love that phrase. I'll tell you what it means in a second. Fed you, fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds, present tense, continual present tense, like the preceding word of God, from the mouth of the Lord. It says your garments did not wear out. It goes on to all kinds of good stuff. So he, the delay is, you thought you were going in in 40 years, but because of difficulties of other people and because of sins of other people, there was a delay. And so sometimes we think God's causing the delay and God does, not, God does not, there are some delays that God says, wait. Jesus said, wait until Jerusalem till you're due with power from on high. That's a small delay. But other delays are caused from the difficulties we just talked about and not any cause from God. God didn't, God didn't cause the delay. He's working in the delay, but he didn't cause the delay. And so what happens is God tells them, this is so cool, God tells them, I led you through this wilderness for 40 years to test you to see what was really in your heart. And then he says, I, I, wanted, you, I wanted to feed you with manna. And does anybody know what the word manna actually means? Yeah, it means what is it that's what the phrase means like so here's what's happened they bring in they bring in say you never had pizza what a terrible existence but somebody comes in with a pizza box and sets it down and you're like you've never seen pizza so you're like what is it and then somebody says to you what is it and and you, yeah and you're like yeah heaven in a box and you're like what is it? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. The, one person is saying, it's manna. What is it? So what I, my point is, God is trying to feed them with a food source they did not know. But what he did is he allowed you to hunger to shut down one supply. And at the very same time, he feeds you with a new supply but way too many times in difficulties and delays when we don't walk by faith we're leaning to the old food source that God is trying to strip us from and we're not leaning into the new food source in this new season that God is that God is bringing us into um and I don't know I just thought of this uh um so we're going to Mexico and I, just today, just today did I get the, the thing about the conference. So there, they're like, we're doing a conference. We don't know how many sessions. It's kind of just, you got you to go ready. And so just today, they sent me the, the thing about the conference that we're doing. And it's all in Spanish, so I had to get my Google Translate out and it just, you know, look at it so I could read it. And guess what the name of the conference is? Transition. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ooh, I got this. I got this conference. So excited about it. Um, Transition. I thought, it can't be any better for me right now. And the Lord just gave me that word. You know what that was? A preceding word from God. And so I can't live off what God has said. I have to live off what God is saying. But what God is saying is in agreement with what he said, but there's a freshness to it. And that's why I need to study and learn the voice of God. I know what God has said, so I know what he is saying, so I know what is being being presently said. Hey, that sounds like God. And I can test the voice. And so that's what he's doing here. So it seems like a time of delay is really going to work out for good. But if you focus on the delay, you focus on the disappointment, you focus on the difficulties, you're going to miss what God is doing. Because sometimes he will, he will, sometimes like relationships and these things, they will be stripped from you, but God is bringing you a new fresh oil, a new fresh bread, a new manna. And you may, and this is, watch this, he's bringing them a food supply for a season. They're not going to eat manna forever. He's bringing them a food supply that will last the next 40 years. And there's a whole lot more I can say about that but a food supply for the next 40 years, but they didn't know what it was. And so they're panicking, freaking. God, all they see is what God is taking, what it feels like God is taking away from them. But God is not taking away anything from them. He's giving them something new. But they don't see that. And so what he's saying is, that that phrase again that I said I loved, what, what he's saying is, I fed you with manna, which means what is it? It's a food source I don't know of yet, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, so I might make you know. So God wants to do something so powerful in your generation, in your life, if you will, if you will live by faith, even in difficulties and disappointments and all that. God wants you to walk by faith so that there's a freshness in what he's saying in your life, so God can do something in you that your fathers didn't know about, that you don't know about, so that you can begin to know about and your children can know about the new thing that God is doing that's really not new, it's just new to you. It's old to him. And guys, that's the... the, That's the um, difficulty with tradition. We should honor traditions, but the traditions of men make the word of God of no effect because they stay in only what our fathers know. And they don't search the new thing. But at the very same time, you have to be careful because you'll search a new thing and get distracted into a wrong thing because you're leaving the tested and proven thing. So you got to be careful to balance The new wine with the old wine. The new new revelation, which is not really new. There's nothing really new. It's new to you. If it's ever really new, it's a lie from the enemy. It's not new. It's just new to you. It's fresh. So it's not new. It's fresh. It's actually been hidden all along and true of Scripture all along. Just people have been misinterpreting it the whole time. Okay? So hopefully that makes sense. I love this section. I love looking at this. So let me just tell you this. What can you do while you're in a delay is you lean into the new food source and you praise God and and check your heart. Do you want to go forward? See, in delays, you get pulled. Do you want to go backwards or do you want to go forward? Do you want to go back to what you knew or into what God is showing you? And there's certain types of people who you know, tend to get pulled one of the two directions. So you want to worship God and you want to go forward in times of delay. Um, the next one is in times of deafness. And, and look in Psalms 46.10. I, um, I called somebody today and shared the scripture with them. I didn't know I was going to be teaching on it um, until after I shared the scripture with them. Uh, but Psalms 46.10 this is times of deafness where it's hard for you to hear. You feel like it's you feel like God's not speaking. It's hard for you to hear. Times of deafness. So here's what has to happen, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I'll be exalted in the earth. Just, I just love this scripture, be still, just stop. Be still and know. See, see, this is the knowledge of God. This is connected to the knowledge of God. Be still and just know I am God. Huge. And then you don't have to look at this, but write this address down, 1 Kings 19, verse 10. 1 Kings 19, verse 10. And many of you will know the story. Elijah's in this situation. I don't want to get into it because I'll end up starting to preach a whole other sermon. But what ends up happening, he's not hearing God very clearly. And so there's an earthquake and a fire and all this stuff that happens. And God's voice was not in it. And so it, it talks about... The still, small voice of God. The whisper of God is what it speaks to. I think about Jesus when he says, what I whisper in your ear, speak from the roof, from the rooftops. So sometimes we want God to be loud and to thunder and just, Bwah! but that's why you need to draw close so you can hear what he's saying. I believe he whispers sometimes just to draw us closer. I really do. Um, And so when there's a deafness, you need to lean in. You need to be still, know that he is God, and you need to seek the still, small voice of God. The other thing that needs to happen, and this happened to me many years ago, I was... um, going through a real difficult trial, and this is the first time for me, uh, and this was a long time ago, I don't want to say what the trial was, but I was going through this trial, and I'm telling you, I'd open my Bible, and nothing would happen. You know how I say the words leap leap off the page? That has been, ever since I've been Walking with God, that's been a reality for me. I've been able to open the Bible and just stuff jumps out. It's part of my gifting, part of my calling, but it just jumps out. So when I open the Bible and it looks like it and it feels like it doesn't work, like it's not loaded, that's scary to me. That's that's like what's what that shakes me. It's like what's happening. This is normally really easy. I don't like reading. I didn't like reading in school or anything like that, but the Word of God taught me how to read through the Word of God. Like really, it was an incredible thing. And so when the Bible, like it's like it was empty and it wasn't working. And, and I got really scared and I started praying about some things. And it's the first time that I felt like he began to talk to me about you're in a test. And I was like, no, I'm in a trial. But it was kind of like, no, I've turned this trial into a test. And the reason I'm not speaking to you, this is what he said to me at that time. Just, I, I just heard this voice say it to me, is the teacher cannot talk to the student during the test. And I was like, okay, (laughs) all right. And then I heard this little bitty whisper, no joke, heard this little bitty whisper, almost not sarcastic, but playful. And it said this, it's an open book test. So when there is a deafness, you go back to the last thing God has said. The other thing that can happen in my life is I go back to find somebody in Scripture who's in the trouble or trial that I'm in and I see what God did for them and I borrow faith from their testimony. Or I find somebody who's been through this trial in flesh and blood who has the victory of Jesus and I go borrow their testimony. That make sense? I don't focus on the deafness. I don't focus on I'm not hearing clearly. I don't focus because you could have deafness because there's sin in your life. If you have, if you have sin that you're you're choosing to do and you know it's willful sin in your life, that can cause you to be deaf. And it's not God's doing, it's your doing. You're stuffing. Stuff in your ears, you're, you're, you're walking away from God. You're walking away from fellowship with God, filling your life with things to replace God because you're not trusting God or, or leaning on Him in brokenness and humility and transparency. And then you way over here and you're wondering why you can't hear God. And it's like God in the garden with Adam. Remember, Adam ate from the tree and then covered himself with the fig leaves. And then what the ne- what's the next thing he did? He went and hid. He went and hid from God. And God came in the garden and said, Adam, where are you? I think many times in our life, if God God through fellowship is like, he, he's, he's, with us. He's, he's with us right here, and then all of a sudden it's like, John, where are you? Why are you hiding over there in sin? Why are you hold, hiding over there in, in sin? Why are you hiding from me? Listen to this. Why are you hiding from me when you could be hiding in me? You're seeking to, to find health, peace, victory, love in something that's going to destroy you when I'm right here and you can be closer to me. So times of deafness, you have to check. Is there, is there stuff that you have put into your life to come between you and God? And is there stuff where you have gone away from God in your heart and in your focus and in your mind? And if you have, don't beat yourself up. Just come back to God. So that's what you can do with with deafness. And how do you know you're far from God? You can't hear the still small voice. If JP, who's sitting up in the, in the, the balcony... If he starts whispering to me, I'd be like, JP, I can't hear you. Well, there's two options. He talks louder or I get closer. And in our relationship with God, we should have the first tendency, instead of God speak up, we should be like, I'm going to get a little closer. But when I get a little closer, I'm leaving things I'm engaged with. I'm leaving things I'm 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 leaving some things to, you know, to go get closer to God. And that's why. That's what daily Bible study needs to be. Daily Bible study needs to be like this, getting your ear closer to God, your ear closer to your heart and your ear, the ears of your heart. You're leaning into God. That's what reading the Bible every day does. It doesn't give you head knowledge. It doesn't make you more, you're like, "I'm, I'm I'm a better Bible scholar. You're reading the word of God to lean your heart and ear closer to him is what it's about. The last one, is in times of death. Our faith is tested in difficulties. Our faith is tested in times of disappointments. Our faith is tested in times of delays. Our faith is tested in times of deafness. And our faith is tested in times of death. Has anybody here had a loved one die? If they're a loved one, then that time was really difficult for you. And in times of death, the human heart is shaken. Ecclesiastes say it's better to be in the house of mourning than the house of feasting. Because the house of mourning, meaning like a funeral home, the living take it to heart. Like they take the concept of eternity and I'm not going to live forever to heart. And it shakes them. Shakes them. You forget about that by going to the house of feasting. Let's party. Let's go to the house of feasting and, and eat, drink, and be merry. Instead of realizing that God is putting eternity in our hearts. And at the time of somebody's death, it's, it can be really, really difficult for us. And it can, be, it can rock and test our faith. Do we trust God? We feel like God took somebody from us, but God didn't take anybody from you. I've heard people say, well, God needed an angel, so we took, that's, that's dumb. That's not biblical at all. God didn't need another angel because you don't become an angel when you die. So we say that to comfort one another. We say that with maybe good intentions, but that is a complete lie that actually can, can separate you from faith. So what happens is we live in a fallen world where sin exists, an enemy is real, and we live in bodies that will die. But the good news is he has conquered death, and those who are in Christ, Jesus said, will never die. So death is temporary. It's not permanent. That's a word i got to focus on because I want to say permanent men or something like that. <laughs> I didn't say it slow, but I said it right. You know, that's why, guys, check this out. Check this out. I'll give you a little nugget. That's why God, when he created Adam, the first man, dust of the ground, breathed in the breath of life, and he became a, a spirit being in who has a soul, who lives in a body. Okay. That was not Adam's glorified body. So you want to know, what did Adam look like in the garden? I think there's some differences, but for the main part, what did Adam look like? What Jesus looked like. Jesus was not born in sin. Now, you So the way to make it very clear is what did Jesus look like on the mountain of transfiguration? That's what Adam looked like. But Jesus got his glorified body, which is one step above Adam's body because Adam had not yet eaten from the tree of eternal life. If he would have eaten from the tree of eternal life before the fall of man there would have never been a fall of man. Now, I have a theory just to throw it out there so y'all can do whatever you want. I'm going to Mexico. Y'all do whatever you want with it. To my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong, because I might be wrong and I'll admit it if I'm wrong. I ain't scared about that. God never told him he couldn't eat from the tree of life. He said of all these trees in the garden, you can eat, but of one tree, you cannot. God never, to my knowledge, God never said, do not eat from the tree of life. Until after he sinned, then he put an angel with a flaming sword standing guard to the tree of life so Adam would not go eat from the tree of life. Why? Because if Adam would have eaten from the tree of eternal life, after having eaten from the sinful tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he would have been eternally stuck in sin. Okay, I have no idea why I just went there and shared that. Oh, death. Because when he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, having not eaten from the tree of life, he was a spiritual man in a natural body. And then when sin entered, the spirit man died and the natural body was contaminated. So God's plan is create a new heaven and a new earth with the resurrected, glorified Adam who has defeated everything that was in and on that tree, sin and death. And this, he's creating a new heaven and a new earth and we will be in glorified bodies, not natural bodies. That Adam had, it will be glorified bodies. What's the difference between a natural body and a glorified body? Um, without God doing supernatural adjustments, this is the difference. The natural body is limited to time-space. They're limited to one place, one time, that kind of stuff. Now, God did have Philip translate and stuff, but the natural body is, is natural, even though it's contaminated in sin for everyone who's born in Adam. But the glorified body, you see Jesus walking through a locked door. You see Jesus going to heaven and coming back to earth. Now, miraculously, in the natural body, Jesus was walking on water. Jesus was doing miraculous things, but that was not his glorified body. And I know I'm just chasing a rabbit here just because I like talking about it. But my, I guess the landing point is this. We should not fear death. When our loved ones die and people we know in Christ, that, that what we should weep about is people who don't know Christ and die. That's what we should weep about. But when people who know Christ and they die, it's difficult. We should weep because we mourn, but we mourn. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says we mourn with those who have hope. So we we know that this loved one is going to be with Christ, and so I won't see them now. I won't see them for a little while, but I will see them in heaven. So and that can be tough, y'all. That can be tough to hold on to that when you're facing death, or you're facing you're facing the loss of somebody. That's tough. I struggle when I face the loss of a dog. I I'm telling you, I question God's goodness when I lose dogs. But it's the same kind of faith. Saying now, cats don't go to heaven. Dogs do. <laughs> so just for you all know that. Um, and snakes definitely don't go to heaven. Spiders don't go to heaven and bees don't go to heaven either. <laughs> your mosquitoes, they don't go to heaven at all. Um, but anyways, so difficulties, disappointments, delays, deafness, and death. So what's the thing we need to do? And I'll end with this. What do we, When our faith is being tested, what do we need to do? I could teach a whole other hour on this verse, but look in your Bible in Mark chapter 11. And I might have put Matthew twenty-two on your notes. Um, I skip over to. I want you. I'd rather you go to Mark chapter eleven. See, I didn't even write that on there. It basically says the same thing, but I'm so used to Mark chapter eleven that I just. It just that's what rises up out of me. So in. Um, No, I know why. Um, no, it wasn't Matthew, Matthew. I thought Matthew, it's Matthew 21 I was thinking about a second ago. Uh, Matthew 22 is something about the resurrection, and I was going to put that, so I, I changed my mind. I didn't fix this, the scripture. But um, uh, so Mark chapter 11 is that last verse I want you to see. And, and the story of this is really, really important, but here's what Jesus is teaching them. He went, he, they walked by a fig tree, and it had leaves but no fruit. And that's a direct reference to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because I just told you what kind of tree the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was. Well, you might not have caught it, but I told you what it is. We know what kind of tree it was. It was not an apple tree. Everybody says, oh, Adam ate the apple. There was no apple that Adam ate. It was a fig tree. How do I know it was a fig tree? Because Adam got the fig leaves from the same place he got the fruit. A fig Leaf comes off of a fig tree. And so now what you have is a fig tree that has fig leaves but no fruit. And what does that represent? Mankind. It represents the curse, the fall of man. And so Jesus walked by this tree and cursed it. And it died. The next day, the disciples walked with Jesus and they saw the fig tree dried up because Jesus cursed it and commanded it to die. And they walked by and they were like, oh my gosh. And Jesus' response was, have faith in God. So it's not have faith in your faith. It's not have faith in yourself. It's have faith in God. And then he describes what that looks like. For surely I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, now this mountain can represent anything in this world, be removed and be be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So that's not wishful thinking. That's not you saying, okay, so I just got to name it, claim it. No, it's, it's whatever whatever God says is what you say. Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. So when your faith is being tested through all these different things, what do you do? You have faith in God. Okay, so how do I have faith in God? I believe and therefore I speak. So what does that mean? What does that mean? That I believe what he has promised, I believe what he has said, And so I will say what he has said. Faith is not you just jumping up and saying whatever you want to say and it will happen for you. Faith is you saying what God said with the heart in which God said it. And when you do that, Jesus says that's that's you saying the will of God. It's you declaring the will of God. It's not you coming up with your own will. It's you declaring the will of God. And as you declare the will of God and the authority of God by faith, what will happen is you're coming into agreement with what God has decreed, with what God has declared. And when you're doing that, there's a battle in the spirit realm, and, but you're pushing back the powers of darkness, and you're actually possessing the land, possessing the promise that God has for you. And you may have to fight that battle for years because you believe you receive it, and you shall have it. So there is a gap between when you receive it in your heart and when you receive it in your hand. There's a gap between that. And that's why you need endurance. And that's why the enemy will use all of these trials to cause you to fumble what's in your heart before it becomes in your hand. Does that make sense? because the evidence that this world our flesh and the enemy present to us it's so real it's very convincing it's very convincing very convincing but if i'm going to pass the test of faith i'm going to believe what i what i'm going to believe what he said I'm going to be in relationship with him so I can clearly hear his voice because I don't want to misunderstand what he's saying. So I want to clearly hear him so that I so I humble myself and I humble 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 myself, lean in, not my will be done, your will be done. And from that kind of humble, surrendered, submitted heart when he speaks and it's agreement with his word, then I can stand up on that thing and say, "All right. I have humbled myself and now I'm standing on the word of God and I'm going to say what God says. And here's what will happen. The direct opposite thing will show up in your life. The direct opposite thing to what God has promised you will show up in your life. And that should be evidence like right on time. I'm in my testing of faith. So what do I do? Keep trusting God. Keep saying what he says. Have faith in God. Speak to the mountain. And, and say, be removed. You're not keeping me from my promised land. Now, your mountain is not people. Your mountain is the spirit behind people. So you never attack people. That makes sense? I might preach that in Mexico too. So Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. I thank you. You stir us up, God. You stir us up. Help us as we prayerfully go over these these things that, that are trials and tribulations in our life that become testings of faith. When we are tested, help us to have faith in you. Help us to remember what you have said so no lack will be in us. Lead us and strengthen us so that we can believe and therefore speak so that we can say to this mountain, be removed. So that we are not removed, but it is removed. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Face Center podcast. To connect with us, go to FaceCenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.